Thanks for checking out this Church in the City podcast. For more information, please visit www.churchinthecity.us. So we're going to continue in our celebration of Christmas. Christmas is not just a one-day celebration. We're, we're taking ourselves through um, the idea, this audacious idea of Jesus Christ, our peacemaker. And today I want to talk about the completeness of God's peace. Incidentally, um, when I sent the file to Nate, um, the PowerPoint, uh, I accidentally named it the complete mess. I accidentally hit M instead of N. Hopefully this won't be a complete mess, but uh, maybe it was prophetic. But, you know, piggybacking off of last week, one of the things that we're doing in this Christmas season is we are reminding our hearts of the audacity of Christmas. The audacity of Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, God becoming man and coming to earth as a human, and that that is just not something that we just go about 25 days of, yeah, that's cool. It's got really, really, really intense and weighty meaning. And we're celebrating the reality that Jesus Christ is the peacemaker between us and God the Father. So last week, if you were here, we did some things that kind of brought us some unrest so we could get a tangible unrest, and then we had a tangible feeling of peace to demonstrate that journey from separation with God to peace with God the Father. So today I want to unpack a little more this idea of Jesus as peacemaker between us and God. And I'd like to go through five essential questions. I think they're essential. Hopefully you will too by the end of today. Um, And I want to just put out a little bit of encouragement. Some of these questions are more intense and tougher than others, but I think they're all worth asking. Uh, so I think, I think they're worth our time to ask them. Some of them, as soon as I ask them, you're going to be like, well, I've already wrestled through that in my life. And, you know, I could basically preach this part for you, James, which is probably true. I don't begrudge you that, but I still think they're worth reminding our hearts of. And maybe some of these questions you've never considered before. And if that's the case, I want to I just encourage you that they're worth our consideration together today as a family. So I want to begin, I'm going to try to zoom a little bit. I want to begin with just the first essential question regarding Jesus Christ, our peacemaker, and that is, what is so great about peace? What's so great about peace? I know this kind of might sound funny. I mean, we just had an amazing time of thanking God for his peace. We just had an amazing time of people giving words, bringing peace to our hearts. We know that, we know that speaking prophetically brings peace. So it might seem a funny question, what's so great about peace? Well, of course peace is great. But I think we need to actually settle it and define it for ourselves and then set out from there. I'll give you an example of, of, of someone who didn't like peace. Who's read Richard III by William Shakespeare? Every hand should go up. Okay, you know what? I'm just going to read it for you. No. <laughs> Richard III is the story of a man, Richard, who has a, just this all-consuming desire to be king, but he's not king. And so the play opens with Richard sitting, sulking, complaining, and what he's complaining about is the fact that there's no war. He's like, oh, all this happiness, all this peace. People who should be out in battle are out celebrating and having a good time with one another. I hate it. And Richard's heart is because he's physically deformed, he's emotionally deformed, and he wants to be king, and he needs unrest. And so he doesn't like the peace that's going on. He even says, why I in this weak, piping time of peace have no delight to pass away the time. I'm bored of peace. But we know the dramatic point that's being made there. We, we hear that and we go, that's crazy. 
peace is great. <laughs> peace is great. It's not, the way Richard's thinking is not our natural bent. We want peace. We celebrate peace. So the question is why? Well, I started rolling around peace, like looking through some definitions uh, online in, in, um, on dictionaries, because that's where dictionaries are now, they're online. And uh, phrases started coming up like the normal condition, a state of mutual harmonies, the normal freedom of order and security. That's, that's pretty desirable. Peace is the circumstance under which we're actually who we fully are in all safety, identity, destiny, and eternity. That's what peace is. And that is what's so great about peace with God. Holy God, full creator, gracious father, righteous judge, peace with him in all safety, identity, security, freedom, eternity, destiny. What's also so great about peace with God is that God actually desires peace with us, which is what we're going to discover. And that's good because... We're going to discover soon that we need that, actually. And it's what we celebrate at Christmas. God's enacted plan of peace. Uh, Chris read a little bit from Isaiah 9 uh, earlier in our our time. And I'd like to read a little more as well. So if you can follow along up up with me on the screen. Or if in in your Bible it's going to be Isaiah 9. We're going to dot around some of these verses. Starting in verse 2. It says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Peace is great. That's what's so great about peace. I know it's a funny question, but I think we need to start there. We need to admit from the outset, this thing of peace is worth it. And it's worth it with God. Sorry if that's obvious. So I think it begs another question then. If peace is so great, what's the need for peace with God? Again, I know it seems silly, but I'm a simple guy, so I'm going to take simple steps. It seems silly, but what's the need for peace with God? If peace is great, and of course I want peace with God, but I think there's a difference between thinking peace is great and understanding that we need it. Because I think a house in the Bahamas is great, but I probably don't need it. Ask me in February. <laughs> There's a difference between peace, is gr- peace with God is great and I need peace with God. And I think that's what we need to cross. So turn in your Bibles. We're going to jump around to Romans chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 29. This is going to be tough to hear. I'm not meaning to lose any friends. I'm just reading. So let's read it together. Start in verse 29. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy and murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, 
insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God is God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. You, therefore, have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you're condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. This is a feel-good kind of Sunday. This is us. This is all of us. This is a picture of sinful humanity, universally sinful humanity. It's me. It's you. You say, well, I've never murdered. Neither have I. But our hearts, our hearts are sinful and deceitful hearts. We are the people walking in darkness. The great part of that, I've seen a great light. We love it, but we have to start with the people walking in darkness. And because we're that people, it means something very, very important that you and I have to settle when we talk about this need for peace with God. And that is, you and I, we cannot be the makers, the originators of peace with God. The making of peace with God cannot go this direction. Because we're walking in darkness and we're universally sinful. Loving, gracious God, yes, holy and perfect, which we're not. Peace can't go this direction. I mean, when you think about who we actually are in a sinful state... I mean, think about our normal human peacemaking tendencies in general when we're not even talking about peace with God, when we're talking about peace with one another. Look at the best examples of of human effort-based peacemaking. It's tenuous. It's based on compromise and concessions, or it's rooted in revenge, or or rooted in, in swinging a pendulum of justice back and forth. It's rooted in getting even. This has happened to me. And the only way that there can be peace It's for that or something else to happen to somebody else. That's the only way there can be peace. Really? It's weak, fragile peacemaking. And you only have to take but a cursory look at history to see that I'm telling the truth. Nations have been redrawn. Generations have been wiped out. Entire people groups oppressed because of our weak, tepid-minded, universally sinful inability to make peace. We really are friends, trust me. I'm speaking to myself. But it's not shocking when you consider who we are in our hearts. Who who would be surprised? And look at the way we converse about peacemaking and conflict in our own effort. We disqualify one another. Well, you've never experienced the kind of non-peaceness that I have, so you can't, we, we really can't talk about this. Really? That may be true, circumstantially, This is the universally experienced peacelessness. Us together in our sinfulness, separated from God. Romans 3.23 puts it about as clearly as it possibly can be. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You and I are in it together. There's no circumstance, no time, no geography, no era, no gender, no skin color, no anything that can differentiate our separatedness, our peacelessness from God. And the, the need for peace 
while it's manifested in different conflicts and on varying levels of consequences throughout human history, is rooted in our separation from God. And any attempt to ever shift the focus of that conversation will ultimately distract us and put us right back where we are in our own human peacemaking efforts. The need for any peace is the need for peace with God. The need for any peace is the need for peace with God because the people walking in darkness. Peace is great. And we need peace. And we need peace with God. But we can't manufacture that peace ourselves. Good thing we're not done. (laughs) Because from here on out, the news gets as good as it has been bad. What's so great about peace? What's the need for peace with God? What's the plan for peace with God? What's the plan? Because the plan can't come from us, but good news, it can come from God. Because God isn't subject to our human shortcomings of peacemaking. Amen? That's good news. Let's go to John chapter 1. Passage that's read often at Christmas. We're going to do the first four verses and then jump down to verse 14. Let's read it together. In the beginning was the Word. This is speaking of Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's jump down to verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The plan for peace with God breaks down into a couple of decisions by God. The first is a very simple, is very simply God's choice. God's choice, as we just saw in John 1, is that the Father, fully God, sends the Son, also fully God, to become human, fully human, and to dwell among us, the darkness, the people walking in darkness. That's God's choice. But the Son is not the darkness, He's the light. Fully God, fully man, fully sinless, fully like us. That's initially God's choice. This is already getting audaciously amazing on the part of God. It's craziness. It's an option I would have never thought of or considered even possible. So let's look at God. So that's God's choice. What's God's action? Let's go to Romans 5. I know we're jumping around. But I conveniently typed it up for you on the right behind me. So, Romans 5, let's look at verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, inability in our peacemaking, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's one thing to send the Son. It's another thing for the action of the Son to be to die, take the penalty of sin for you and me. 
God's choice, God's action. It's a penalty. The penalty of our, of our sinful, separated from God hearts is eternal separation from God. And the penalty, a payment, has been received on our behalf to the Father from the Son. The penalty on our behalf has been received by the Father from the Son. It's God's, it's God's amazing action. Paid for with God's currency, as we look at in verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us. We're God-haters. We're insolent and arrogant and, and inventors of evil. And God demonstrates his own love for us. God's choice, God's action paid for in the currency of God's love. Because God isn't satisfied with our peacelessness. Sorry, I'm just passionate about this. It's amazing. And it's executed in God's power. Because it's one thing for God to, for God the Son to become man. It's another thing for God the Son as a man to die and take a penalty. It'd be one thing if it was left there. And it'd be, a, I don't know, a somewhat heroic and maybe slightly tragic, nice thing to, to remember. God's power, though, intervenes and is demonstrated in the fact that he raised Christ bodily, physically, from the dead. Again, can we just sit for a second with that? Can we just happy Easter ourselves for a second with that? Peter says in Acts 2, But God raised Jesus up from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Even in death, Jesus beat death. Amazing. Penalty paid. Plan for peace enacted. It's on for peace with God. Jesus Christ, fully God, sent by the Father to be fully human, totally blameless and sinless, paid the full price of our, of our darkness with the action of death on a cross in the currency of the love of God the Father. And God in his power saw fit to raise Jesus Christ from the dead, victorious over all that could ever separate us from God. What's the plan for peace with God? The plan is the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. This is a full service piece. My van's in the shop right now. Has been for a week. I know a little about full service. This is a full service, complete piece. No angle has been left unthought of. You ever get to, this is just kind of for free. This is the opposite of religion. See, religion is us going after God. Remember, we talked about things that go this way with our choice, our action, our currency, our power, trying to angle towards God. And honestly, you can find that kind of thinking anywhere. You won't in here. Because this is not about religion. This is about God's plan for peace with us, and it only goes this way. Yeah? You know, if, if there's something that I find kind of uncomfortable about this, and that, I don't know if you do too, and it's, it's sort of, you ever get that uncomfortable feeling of like, and hear me when I'm saying this, 
that there's something sort of like wrong feeling that the penalty was paid for you. You know why? Because in our human peacemaking, remember, we've already talked about how awesome it is. But in our human peacemaking, one of the things that we often do, uh, I'll, watch my, I'll watch my daughters do this all the time. Something will happen, something will be done to one of them, and, and then we say, oh, it's okay. Oh, it's okay. You've said it, I've said it, haven't you? We've all said, oh, yeah, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's not okay. <laughs> it's not okay. And God, through Jesus, is not saying, oh, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Oh, you <laughs> insolent God haters, it's okay. It's not what he's saying. He's saying there's justice involved in this peace. There's a price paid, and grace now abounds. You know, in 1 John 1, 9, it, where it says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Not, not, I mean, could you, faithful and loving, yes. Faithful and gracious, of course. Faithful and patient, you bet. Faithful and just. The only way that something is just is when the ledger is brought even. This is not, the plan for peace on behalf of God the Father is not, it's all good, you guys. I'm sending Jesus. <laughs> the plan for peace is deeply rooted in justice This is now level. A penalty has been paid. That's why in Isaiah 9, it's not just talking about a prince of peace. It's talking about of his government and peace. There will be no end. There's government in this peace. It's just. Peace peace with God is justice. And let me tell you, justice is peace with God. I'm so glad that God is the originator of the peace plan. So what's the path to peace with God? Again, this is very important. may seem very, very naturally next step, but it's also very clear, and I think we need to address it. Let's stay in Romans, but let's go over to chapter 10 and go down to verse 9. Let's read 9 and 10 together. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You have peace with God. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. This is a clear invitation from God to peace. The work is done. The invitation is out. When we, when we believe in our heart, that's faith. That's the belief of, my, of all my being. That's faith. In what isn't physically, perceivably tangible to me, but I believe it with all of my being. Peace of God is not a card I carry. (laughs) It's not a thing that I've locked up tight. It's not a physical thing. It is a tangible thing, but it's tangible in me. And I have it by faith. Ephesians 2 says, by grace we've been saved through faith. Faith, if there is a currency that we bring to the peacemaking process with God, faith is our currency. It's a good thing because it's all we have and it's all that's required of us. (laughs) If you ask me for anything else, I'm out. But I have my faith and it's all that's asked of me. Amazing. That whole little thing about every angle not being missed. And then 
We profess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's declaration. That's life. That's giving of life. That's submitting myself to a risen person of Jesus. That's peace with God. That's being transferred from the realm of the wicked, the realm of universal sinful humanity, into the realm of I am at peace with God. His justice is on me. I am justified in his sight. Not of my own work, but of the work of Jesus Christ. The depths of our darkness may be complicated, but the path to peace with God is clear. Placing belief of our whole being, that's our faith, into Jesus Christ, whom the Father rose from the dead. This is the gospel. The peace plan from God the Father is the gospel. I wish it was more complicated than that. It's not. (laughs) Can I just give you one more little thing for free? Nate's going to talk a little bit more about this next week as we celebrate us, the peacemakers. But any discussion of peace or justice or rightness, and there's a lot of discussion of that going on right now, but any discussion of those things that it does not have at its core on our part the gospel of Jesus Christ will ultimately put us back into the same fist-waving, sloganeering, political posturing, side-taking, no different than anybody else. We can all have a position, and we can all, only the church, only the church can be rooted in its core in the gospel of Jesus. Only us. And it's God's plan for peace, and peace with God is the root of all peace. God's path to peace is the gospel. We're almost done. What's the response? That's the fifth question to me. What's the response to this idea of peace with God? Well, you know, there's, there's really, we need to get with the plan. (laughs) We need to get with the peace plan. (laughs) And that means if, if we don't know Jesus Christ as our savior, we've never placed, as Romans 10 would say, we've never placed the full belief of our being, placed our faith into him and declared it. Well, we need to get with God's peace plan. I just want to do something kind of, I don't know if it's brave or weird, but I just want to ask right now, is, is there anybody here who would like to right now just say, I haven't done that and I would like to. Just want to, just want to say that it's as simple as placing the belief of our full heart into Jesus Christ and declaring, that's what I believe. Anyone? Just don't, I don't want to be weird, but I just feel the Lord saying that we should do that. If we do have peace with God, we still need to get with the plan. Good thing God tells us what the plan is. <laughs> we actually have, you and I, as knowers of God, as people who are at peace with God, we actually have an awesome mandate an awesome ministry. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's start at verse 18. 
all this, so we've been talking about, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself. Remember, peacemaking goes this way. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ, the peace plan, and gave us, watch out, the ministry of reconciliation. Whoa, 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 whoa. So I have peace with God through Christ. I'm reconciled to God. I have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And it's this, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, justice. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore, I love this, Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal. God's making his appeal. He's making his appeal through us. This is not a God who's satisfied with peacelessness with his people. This is a God who's making his appeal. Say, peace goes this way. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. As God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If we have peace with God, we must recommit ourselves to the ministry of reconciliation. We must. We are the messengers. We are the tellers of peace. We're the ambassadors of Christ's peace plan. God is is reconciling the world to him in Christ. He is. He says he is. It's not a question of what God is about. It's a question of, am I with this ministry of reconciliation? You want to be in full-time ministry? There you go. You got your your full-time ministry of reconciliation. I thought that would get more laughs. uh, Just needed a water break. But through, God, through us, God is making his appeal to a people who, who are walking in darkness. And that's why we can celebrate in Isaiah 9, have seen a great light. Amazing. Amazingly audacious peace plan. So the response is, uh, I think, biblically clear. If, we, if we're without peace with God place our faith in Jesus. If we are at peace with God, we have a ministry of reconciliation. We're, we're at time, and just before I, I, I give it back to Chris, I, I, just want, I just want God to shake us anew with this audacity, the, the completeness of his peacemaking with us. Now, I don't know if that's something that you would like as well, but I, I just want to pray for us. And, and if that is something that you, that you want God to shake your heart with again or shake your heart with a, with a fresh revelation of the ministry of reconciliation that we have, I just want to invite you to stand and just take a posture of receiving. Now, I just want to pray for you. Because I believe, the, I, I know that when I go back and I basically re-preach the gospel to my heart, I'm, I can't help but be stirred. And so I just want to, my, my hunch is that there are people who want to be restored again. Lord Jesus, would you just, by your spirit, even right now,
even right now. Right now, Lord, would you just amaze hearts again? Would you just let, Holy Spirit, your, just by your power, just let the wonderfulness of your peace plan just hit us again. The gospel of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the justice of it all. Our position with you, would you just let it hit hearts right now? Let a fresh gratitude rise within us, please God. Would you arrest our hearts with the power of the gospel? Lord, I pray where there's been timidity or wonder or shame even at the gospel of Jesus, I pray that that falls away right now in Jesus' name. That we can truly walk out in your word in in, in Romans 1 where it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Lord, not in a sloganeering way, not in a t-shirt slogan-wearing way, but an authentic relational telling of the gospel of Jesus. Lord, I pray for wise ways and boldness and, and just... Lord, just breaking down walls of awkwardness or whatever it may be, but just a listening ear to you over us as we walk with the lost daily. Lord, that we could be that ambassador. We just, we we carry with us the appeal of God the Father. Would you lay that on hearts again, Lord? The ministry of reconciliation. Thank you that it's your heart. Thank you that, you that your peacemaking plan is for us and your heart is for us. Not satisfied, Lord God, with, with our peacelessness and our separation from you. We just worship you. And in this season, when we remind ourselves more easily, we worship you. And we give you all glory and all honor to the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.